chapter 4, entitled The Atrocities of King Kamsa. <clears throat> this chapter describes how, Krish, how Kamsa, following the advice of his demoniac friends, considered the persecution of small children to be very diplomatic. After Vasudev found himself with iron shackles as before, all the doors of the prison house closed by the influence of Yogamaya, who then began crying as a newborn child. <clears throat> this crying awakened the doorkeepers, who immediately informed Kamsa that a child had been born to Devaki. Upon hearing this news, Kamsa appeared with great force into the maternity room, and in spite of Devaki's pleas that the child be saved, the demon forcibly snatched the child from Devaki's hands and dashed the child against a rock. Unfortunately for Kamsa, however, the newborn child slipped away from his hands, rose up, uh, above his head, and appeared as the eight-armed form of Durga. Durga then told Kamsa, The enemy you con contemplate has taken birth somewhere else. Therefore, your plan to persecute all the children will prove futile. According to the prophecy, the eighth child of Devaki will kill Kamsa, and therefore, when Kamsa saw that the eighth child was a female and heard <clears throat> excuse me, that his so-called enemy had taken birth elsewhere, he was struck with wonder. He decided to release Devaki and Vasudev, and he admitted, be admitted before them the wrongness of his atrocities. Falling at the feet of Devaki and Vasudev, he begged their pardon and tried to convince them that because the events had taken place, because the events that had taken place were destined to happen, they should not be unhappy for his having killed so many of their children. Devaki and Vasudev, being naturally very pious, immediately excused Kamsa for his atrocities. And Kamsa, after seeing that his sister and brother-in-law were happy, returned to his home. After the night passed, however, <coughs> Kamsa called for his uh, ministers and informed them of all that had happened. The ministers, who were all demons, advised Kamsa, that because his enemy had already taken birth somewhere else, all the children born within the past ten days in the villages within Kamsa's kingdom should be killed. Although the demigods always feared Kamsa, they should not be treated leniently since they were enemies. Kamsa should try his best to uproot their existence. The demoniac ministers further advised that Kamsa and the demons continue their enmity toward Vishnu, because Vishnu is the original person among all the demigods. The brahmanas, the cows, the Vedas, austerity, truthfulness, control of the senses and mind, faithfulness, and the mercy, uh, and mercy are among the different parts of the body of Vishnu, who is the origin of all the demigods, including Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva. Therefore, the ministers advised the demigods the saintly persons, the cows, and the brahmanas should be systematically persecuted. Strongly advised in this way by his friends, the demoniac ministers, Kamsa appeared, 
Kamsa approved of their instructions and considered it beneficial to be envious of the Brahmins. Following Kamsa's orders, therefore, the demons began committing their atrocities all over Brajabhumi. It's going to get exciting in this chapter, isn't it? <clears throat> so I guess today's verse is one, huh? Yeah. Sri Sukuvacha Bahir Antaha Pura Dwaraha Sarvaha Purvavad Avritaha Tato Bala Dwanim Srutva Griha Palaha Samuthitaha Sri Sukuvacha Bahiranta Pura Dwaraha Sarvan Purvavad Avritaha Tato baladvanam srutva griha palaha samutitaha sri sukuvacha bahirantaha pura dwaraha sarvaha purvavad avritaha Tato balan dwanim srutva griha palaha samutitaha sri shukuvacha bahirantaha pura dwaraha sarvaha purvavad avritaha Tato baladvanim srutva griha palaha samutitaha Do you have enough voice to try it today? Oh, what a pity. <laughs> Sri Sukhavacha <clears throat> Sri Sukadev Goswami said Balahi Antapura Dwaraha the doors inside and outside the house. Sarvaha, all. Purvavat, like before. Avrittaha, closed. Tattaha, thereafter. Baladvanim, 
the crying of the newborn child. Shrutva, hearing. Grihapalaha, all the inhabitants of the house, especially the doormen. Samutitaha, awakened. Translation. Sukadev Goswami continued, My dear King Parikshit, the doors inside and outside the house closed as before. Thereafter, the inhabitants of the home, especially the watchmen, heard the crying of the newborn child and thus awakened from their beds. Please repeat. Sukadev Goswami continued, <clears throat> My dear King Parikshit, the doors inside and outside the house closed as before. Thereafter, the inhabitants of the house, especially the watchmen, heard the crying of the newborn child and thus awakened from their beds. Report by His Divine Grace, Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada. The activities of Yogamaya are distinctly visible in this chapter, in which Devaki and Vasudev excuse Kamsa for his many devious atrocities, activities, oh, atrocious activities, and Kamsa becomes repentant and falls at their feet. Before the awakening of the watchmen and the others in the prison house, many other things happened. Krishna was born and transferred to the home of Jashoda in Gokul. The strong doors opened again and closed. Uh, the strong doors opened and again closed, and Vasudev resumed his former condition of being shackled. The watchmen, however, could not understand all this. They awakened only when they heard the crying of the newborn child, Yogamaya. Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur has remarked that the watchmen were just like dogs. At night, the dogs in the street act like watchmen. If one dog barks, many other dogs immediately follow it by barking. Although the street dogs are not uh, appointed by anyone to act as watchmen, they think they are responsible for protecting the neighborhood. And as soon as someone unknown enters it, they all begin to bark. Both Yogamaya and Mahamaya act in all in all material activities, but although the energy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead acts under the Supreme Lord's direction, Dog-like watchmen, such as politicians and diplomats, think that they are protecting their neighborhoods from the dangers of the outside world. These are the actions of Maya. But one who surrenders to Krishna is believed, uh, is relieved of the pros- uh, protection. What, but one who surrenders to Krishna is relieved of the protection afforded by the dogs and dog-like guardians of this material world. Once again, the verse, Sukadev Goswami continued, My dear King Parikshit, the doors inside and outside the house closed as before. Therefore, 
The inhabitants of the house, especially the watchmen, heard the crying of the newborn child and thus awakened from their beds. Om chakshur unmilitam so, thank you all for coming, both of you. It's very nice. Uh, we could see who we could always count on. There are some people that are like the standbys that become the ones that are counted on. So thank you all so much. So in this verse, uh, <clears throat> what has actually happened here, as we all know, under the spell of Yogamaya, um, everyone fell asleep on both sides of the Jamuna. Everyone is sleeping deeply. They're in a very deep sleep. So, uh, Vasudeva was able to take his newborn son, uh, Krishna, who appeared as Mahavishnu to him and uh, and Devaki. Uh, So, uh, and as previously discussed, that was because his affection for Krishna was different than that of Mother Jashoda. Mother Jashoda didn't have uh, an odd reverential view of Krishna. She wanted Krishna to be her son. And she wasn't going to see him as the supreme personality of Godhead. Devaki and Vasudeva, on the other hand, had a more of an awe and reverential <clears throat> uh, affair with Krishna. So he appeared as forearm Vishnu. You see, this wasn't a normal birth. It wasn't like labor. You know, he didn't actually he wasn't actually in the womb. He was in the heart of Devaki. You see, so the Lord just appeared in the room. It wasn't like a, some labor. It wasn't a vaginal birth. <clears throat> he appeared as forearm Vishnu, you see. Everyone being sound asleep, uh, uh, Vasudev took the newborn child across the Jamuna River, which was uh, because of Lord Indra's rains. The rains were coming down so hard, the wet waters had swell, you see. But uh, the Jamuna River com- uh, 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 cooperated with Vasudev and opened up so Vasudev could go right right through. He could go right across the, the Jamuna River and into the home where everyone was sleeping of Nanda Maharaj and exchange the babies. Uh, Yoga Maya had appeared uh, at the exact same time. So um, Mother Jashoda was weak from childbirth. She was thinking, you know, she's giving child... Uh, uh, birth to a child. Actually, this is the this is Krishna. You know, see, this is Krishna's reaction with her. Uh, but this this is Yoga Maya that had appeared. You see, so <clears throat> Vasudev picked up uh, Yoga Maya, replaced her with Krishna, and took her back across the Jamuna, back to where all the guards were sleeping. Walked past the sleeping guards, back into the the, the prison. All the doors closed behind him and locked, and then immediately Yogamaya started to cry, like a, like any new uh, any newborn baby would, you see. Uh, and of course, the guards awakened. They hear the, the, the uh, crying of a newborn child. They knew that any minute 
Devaki was to give birth. They knew that they had to alert their boss, Kamsa, that, hey, the child is here. The eighth child is here, you see. So it all worked perfectly. You can see how this whole thing worked in such a, uh, 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 such a fantastic way, you see. Uh, Yoga Maya's appearance at the exact uh, perfect uh, moment. Uh, Krishna's appearance, of course, at the exact perfect moment. The cooperation of the Jamuna River. The Jamuna, at this time, there was a great storm going on, you see. Uh, Anantashesh was there. At, at, and as soon as Vasudev went outside, Anantashesh spread his hoods and, sh- and, and sheltered newborn Krishna from the showering rain, you see. Everything was happening so perfectly, and the timing was just absolutely wonderful, you see. So it makes us think that uh, how necessary it is for uh, us to become uh, part of this ISKCON machine and perform uh, as, as perfectly as we can with it. It's just, uh, uh, it's, it's like Nityananda Prabhu's class yesterday uh, during Sunday, the fun Sunday feast lecture it was very, very interesting. And I was just talking with him in the Pajari room further about this, you see. Uh, there is something that's taken, taking place <clears throat> that's far greater than all the rest of us put together. I remember talking with Tamal Krishna Goswami one time when he was saying that there comes a time in, a, in, a, in an intelligent man's life when he has to see that there, there is a greater cost, uh, there is a, gra- a greater cause than his insignificant life. You see, if we have intelligence, if we have honor, we can see before us causes that are far greater than us, far greater than our happiness, our family, our future, what I want for me, you see. The cause is so great. It's just like uh, sometimes, uh, uh, well, it's like, for instance, a World War II, you see. The, when World War II broke out, when America got into the war, most of the men in the United States, most of the men went immediately and signed up, you see. They saw a greater cause. My relatives, I can remember almost all of my uncles went, uh, I think all of them did, every one of them did. They all went and joined up and were shipped overseas, you see. Fortunately, they all came back. But the, but people in a moment like that, when they need to protect, when they, they, they can see a cause bigger than themselves, they may not want to give up their life. I don't want to leave my wife. I don't want to leave my children. I don't want to leave my farm. You know, these men had farms and businesses. Uh, nobody wanted to do this. They all left. Uh, my mother at that time uh, went to Chicago. She moved to Chicago, and uh, she was just a, a little farm girl from Tennessee, never been out of Tennessee, never been out of the hills, moved to Chicago, the big city of Chicago, and got a job uh, welding bottoms in buckets that to, to go over to, to the war, for the war effort. You see, she didn't want to do that. That wasn't her plan, you see. None of the men had the plan that I'm going to walk out and leave my family and I'm going to go uh, on uh, war. They had plans to live happily ever after, you see. They're living in a nice part of the world and, and things look good, but there was a higher cause, you see. So 
An honorable man, uh, one who is intelligent, is willing, uh, able and willing, to uh, sometimes recognize a higher cause and not consider that my uh, unimportant, minuscule life is that important compared to this cause, you see. I had all my plans. I wanted to do this and I wanted to do that. But now there's this great calling. There's a great and wonderful thing happening. Uh, instead of something like a war, this is a great and wonderful thing. This uh, 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 taking place of the 10,000-year uh, uh, golden age of Lord Chaitanya. It started 500 years ago. Lord Chaitanya started this movement 500 years ago. And Srila Prabhupada took it around the world. You see, Lord Chaitanya started it, Srila Prabhupada took it around the world. So now there's a greater calling. There's a big calling for us out here, you see. And it's just, it's not like, well, we have to go and do it. In World War II, uh, the soldiers had to get together and actually go and, and do it. In this situation, this is going to happen. By the will of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he has started this thing in, in motion. The golden age of Lord Chaitanya has already started, you see. Uh, there are greater uh, souls than we can imagine at work here. Uh, all the way from Lord Chaitanya down to... Uh, through Srila Bhakti Siddhanta, who ordered Prabhupada to go to the West. And Prabhupada, who actually did it and spread this movement of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu around the world, you see. And now, here we are caught up in the flow of this. This is like a tsunami. The uh, um, analogy of the tsunami that Nityananda Prabhu used yesterday was perfect because it's going to be a tidal wave that will hit the world, a spiritual tidal wave that will tackle everything, you see. It's the mercy of Krishna that as, as we draw into Kali Yuga, with 427,000 years left in Kali Yuga, the mercy of Krishna is going to be the greatest blessing of all. This tidal wave of love of Godhead will spread everywhere. And 9,500 years from now... Uh, uh, when it's over, Kali Yuga, uh, the world will go to hell. It will, uh, after that, it will go to hell very quickly. But for 10,000 years, this is going to happen. It's going to happen whether we do anything or not. We can't, uh, we can't claim any uh, responsibility for the success of this movement. However, it's going to be thrust on us. You see, it will be thrust on us. This is happening by the mercy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the great devotee Srila Prabhupada. This is going to happen, you see. Uh, either us or others very much like us will help, but the potency is provided by Srila Prabhupada, you see. It's coming down the, the, the disciplic succession through him. Uh, when the devotee says, I'll do it, I'll help, then uh, it's the desire of Krishna and the pure devotee for you to get credit, you see. This has already started. The tsunami wave is hitting. We, all we do, we're, we, we just happen, I've always felt myself to, to be so fortunate to be in the right place at the right time. Of course, we know we're undeserving 
of course, we know we're fallen. But for, for whatever reason, oh, the causeless mercy of the Supreme Lord, we find ourselves in the right place at the right time. We say a few words and people become devotees. Uh, we travel here and say some words and people become devotees. Uh, and then people, well, I'm speaking the words that I had no knowledge of. I'm speaking the words from my spiritual master. You see, he gives me what to say. He gives me the books. He gives me what to say. I, I carry his book and I say his words and people say, oh, what a wonderful job you did. And I'm thinking, this is, this is foolish. <laughs> this was going to happen whether I took it or not. Now, we shouldn't think like that. We shouldn't think, well, you know, I can just kind of go get lazy. I don't really, it's good, this is going to happen. You know, let others do it. I don't want any credit, you see. But uh, let's get on this wave and ride it. Let's go back to Godhead. This wave of this tsunami is going to sweep all, sweep all the way back to Godhead. This is going to take uh, millions, tens and hundreds of millions of people back to Godhead, which is where we want to go, you see. We should want to go back to Godhead. Because we're practicing bhakti yoga. Practicing bhakti yoga means we do what uh, Krishna wants. We want to give Krishna what he wants, you see. We're not concerned about ourselves. We're not concerned about what we want. We're concerned about what Krishna wants. What does Krishna want? Krishna wants us to come back home, back to Godhead. So therefore, we should want to go back home, back to Godhead. Not uh, for our own well-being, but to please Krishna. You see, that's the mood. I want to return back home, back to Godhead to please Krishna. Not that, well, I want to go home back to uh, Godhead because... Boy, it's going to be a lot more fun there than than being on the Earth planet. Boy, I can't wait to get back to uh, uh, back to Godhead so I can smell those incredibly wonderful flowers. And boy, I bet the prasadam is going to be great there. You see, we can't think like that. That's a departure from bhakti. Why do you want to go back to Godhead? Because Krishna wants me to. I want to please Krishna. When I go back, he will be pleased. And I'll go back, and I'm not going to say, okay, now I'm here, where's my mansion? You better have a big house for me. Boy, things really look good. Hey, where do I get one of those garlands or those really far-out parijata flowers, you know? <laughs> where's that grove of, uh, of trees that gives me all, fulfills all my wishes? You see, it would be tainted. It would be tainted. It wouldn't work. It can't work that way. It doesn't work that way for us to think, I'm going to go back to Godhead. I'm going to really start to enjoy. It's got to be a great place. Perfect temperature. You know, it's got to be great, you see. If we take our lusty desires to enjoy through our senses, it's not going to take us back home, back to Godhead, you see. So in the beginning, though, when we become devotees, we think, I want to go back to Godhead because I know it's a better thing for me. It's better than this world. I want to get out of this world. This world is uh, really rotten. It's not a very nice place, you see. There's so much corruption, you know, it gets hot in Dallas. It's going to be really, really hot this, win this summer. This winter it was snowy and cold. 
And I don't like it here. It really would be better for me to go back to Godhead, you know, and go cool. The weather is really sweet. (laughs) So in the beginning, we think I want to take up this Krishna consciousness. Uh, I want want to uh, take up spiritual life because this is the best thing for me. I'm in a world of hell. I want to get out of this hellish condition. I don't want to go into a deeper kind of hellish condition. So the only intelligent thing for me to do is to go upward into the spiritual realm. So the best thing for me is to become spiritual, get my spiritual life together, you know, like that. It's the best thing for me and my family and my friends, you see. Somewhere along the way, as we practice bhakti yoga, we start to uh, uh, become attracted to Krishna. We, come, we become attracted to serving Krishna. We become attracted to bhakti yoga. It has its attraction, you see. It's just like if we contemplate uh, the objects of the senses, if we contemplate some sort of nonsense activity, after a while, we'll, be, we'll develop an attraction to it, you see. If we associate with uh, people who are into intoxication, for instance, long enough, we will develop an attachment after a while or an an attraction after a while, you see. So our process is to uh, cease uh, associating with people who are in nonsense, people who are not at all interested in serving and pleasing the Supreme Lord, and to associate with people who are interested in going back to Godhead people who are interested in living uh, the life of bhakti yoga, people who are interested in serving and pleasing the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And by doing so, uh, we become attracted. You see, we become attracted. Then through our attraction, we take up more and more service and more and more service, more and more association with the devotees. It, the, the nectar is so sweet, we can't get enough of it, you see. And it keeps multiplying, you see. And when I, when I leave and, and I'm gone, even some, like this last time, I was gone for like only like five weeks, and I come back and I see some of the people, their uh, engagement in Krishna consciousness has multiplied so much. It's just like this uh, the gravity is, is pulling them in. This, this force field of bhakti yoga is pulling them in, you see. They're getting closer and closer, more and more service, you see. So as we find ourselves becoming attracted to Krishna and attracted to bhakti yoga, attracted to serving, attracted to Krishna's devotees, somewhere along the line we find ourselves attached the attraction turns into attachment. Then we turn around one day and we're attached to Krishna. We're attached to this way of life. We're attached to serving Krishna. We're attached to the concept of pleasing Krishna. You see. When you please Krishna, you will know. You will know. Do you know how you'll know? Because you'll feel uncontrollable, almost uncontrollable enjoyment. You will enjoy like everything when you please Krishna. You can tell. You know, it's not a fairy tale. When Krishna is pleased, you will feel very wonderful. 
Very. You will enjoy to the highest. You'll actually think, oh, I don't know if it could be any better. You see? By being a part of this uh, tidal wave of love of Godhead, by assisting uh, Srila Prabhupada uh, and the assembled Vaishnavas, the, the Parampara, you will please Krishna. When we're preaching, we please Krishna. And you can tell when Krishna's happy. Krishna sends such wonderful people. He's so kind to send such wonderful people. It, and we get the, the feeling that this, is, this would have happened whether I had come here or not. This would have gone on. Uh, I'm feeling this is, I, I'm insignificant. My only qualification is I, I came here and I brought this book and I had spoke those words of my guru. <laughs> but this would have happened uh, whether I did it or not. Somehow or other, the Lord is so kind that he's giving me uh, an ability and uh, he's given me an option, an opportunity to please him, you see. He's so kind. He's so kind. We can see uh, as we practice this Krishna consciousness, it's, it's, it seems to be especially evident uh, in the preaching, when we're preaching. But we can see how Krishna provides whatever it is we lack, you see. We can actually experience it. Prabhupada said, preaching is the essence you see, every one of us is a preacher. Everything we do is preaching. You see, cooking is preaching. Cleaning the temple is preaching. But every one of us should take the opportunity, whenever it presents itself, to uh, somehow or other get someone to come, to come to see the beautiful form of the deity. It's like these, uh, these ladies that came here from El Paso a couple of weeks ago for Gorpanim. They came, uh, they had heard, they'd been hearing a few times I'd been out there, and they felt like, well, we have to go see uh, this temple in Dallas. We had to go see this Kalachanji, you see. So they came here and uh, and got darshan of Radha Kalachanji. Radha Kalachanji are here every day offering their darshan. So they came and they took darshan of Radha Kalachanji and they were just knocked over, just knocked over. <laughs> uh, it was a life-changing, excuse me, a life-changing event for them. They got back to El Paso. Uh, I went to Tucson for uh, Gorpernim, and they came here. Uh, I got back to El Paso, and they, they, they returned as well, and uh, they were ecstatic. They had come here. Their lives had been changed. They'll never, ever forget gazing upon Radha Chanji, and they can't wait to see it again. Now they don't know what to do. So many people that uh, were out there that have come here, they don't know what to do. Should I go uh, and, and throw myself at the lotus feet of Radha Chanji and move into Kalachanji Dam? Does that, is that what he wants me to do? Does he want me to stay here in El Paso and preach and make a temple? Oh, I don't know what to do. What does Krishna want me to do? They've been swept away. This tidal wave has hit them. You see the films of that tsunami when it hit in, in Japan? The waves come in and just took buildings and cars, put buses on top of buildings. You see, nothing could resist it. This is what is happening. 
It's been happening for 500 years. Huh? The wave got stronger when Srila Prabhupada boarded the Jaladuta when he came to America. It's sweeping. It's sweeping across the world. It'll inundate the universe. You see, this is happening. People's lives are being changed. All we have to do is to, is to try to get as many people as possible, whomever it is, please come. You see, maybe we just get them to come to the restaurant. Hey, how would you? I, I know the coolest place in town to eat. Some, you know, some, uh, I'm sure they probably have some, uh, some flyers, the restaurant does. In Tucson, the restaurant has these flyers. And when we go on Harinam, people hand out flyers inviting people to the restaurant. I don't know if we still do that here or not. I know we did it one time, but I think that's a good idea. But even when you're not on Harinam, you know, I used to take these flyers and some, when I'd go through a toll booth, of course anymore, you know, there aren't people in toll booths. You know, there's a little machine that, but there used to be people, actually human beings in a toll booth. And uh, I'd say hello to the gentleman and give him a flyer or a book, you know, a small book, you see. So, but as we go through our day-to-day life, whoever we meet, uh, if we can just say, hey, take one of these. If you're looking for a great place to eat, this is incredible. You'll love it. I wouldn't tell them it's vegetarian. You don't have to say that. Just say, this is the greatest place in town to eat. All you can eat buffet for 10 bucks. All you can eat. With a great courtyard, check it out. You'll love it. You see? When they get here and they're looking for the, the turkey or whatever, they're already hooked. You see? You know, they'll wonder, where's the, where's the prime rib or whatever? <laughs> But when they when they you know when they get here it's already finished, and perhaps they'll even wander through here and and see Radhakala Chanji, you see. Now it's going to happen. These souls are going to be saved, but we will please Krishna. He doesn't need us to do it. It's just like, uh, you know, <laughs> the barking of the dogs here. You know, that Prabhupada's talking about. But do they really do much good? You know, times the, the dogs bark, and there's nobody there. There may be somebody three blocks away, and the dogs are barking, you know. But still, uh, the master feel, gives them credit. He, he's trying. He's trying to protect the household. You know, he's out there, and he's barking. It could be a cat. Cat doesn't offer any, you know, any harm to the household. But still, the dog is barking, you know. So the master thinks, oh, well, yeah, good boy. Good boy. Now please shut up and let me go to sleep. You know, so. Um, but it, we're allowed to actually appear as if we're uh, doing something. You see, it's like we're, we're like children playing a game. You know, and uh, the parents say, oh, very good. You know, sometimes children pretend that they make tea. You know, and the mother will taste it. It's just air. You, oh, honey, that's very good. Yes? He doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. No. 
It's for our benefit. That's a good point. He loves to see us try to please him. You see, he's very happy that after so long a period of time, you've uh, turned it around. You know, now you're turning towards me. You were turning away from me for centuries, billions of years, maybe so many uh, forms of life. You've been turned away from me. You've been looking uh, for something else aside from me. You've been looking to enjoy without me. And that's okay. But now you've turned towards me, and that's wonderful. Now I'm so happy. I am so pleased. This is so sweet, you see. And now he wants to glorify you. He wants to see you glorified. It's his energy. It's his potency distributed by his pure devotees. But yet he wants to glorify you. You know, Srila Prabhupada, um, uh, he, uh, you can experience God by associating with his pure devotees. You can see the nature of God by associating with the pure devotees. Uh, one, one time, Srila Prabhupada said, uh, so we were praising Prabhupada because you've spread this uh, movement of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu all over the world. You know, you are, so, you are so great, such a wonderful, magnanimous personality. And Prabhupada said, it is all due to you, all of you. My Guru Maharaj deserves the credit. He sent all of you. He sent you. <laughs> you know, we were trying to say, Prabhupada, you're just like a spiritual magnet. You're attracting, you know. You can even cleanse the hearts of the, of the most fallen, those of us who are lower than, uh, lower than chandalas, worse than dog eaters. And you've, you've cleansed our hearts and attracted us because of your, uh, your pure love for Krishna. And he said, no, my, my Guru Maharaj, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta sent all of you. You know, so, the pure devotee wants to see uh, his disciples glorified. Krishna wants to see his pure devotees glorified. You see, it's part of his love for us. See, Krishna doesn't have uh, behavioral health issues. <laughs> you know? He doesn't feel like I need to hog it all. You know, it's not like, uh, all right, you know, hey, you over there, you haven't been worshiping me lately. And uh, I got your number. I know where you live. You know, you better, and you, you know, I'm watching you. You better, you know, it's not like that. He, he, he is convinced that he is Krishna. He's convinced that he's God. So that's kind of like enough said. He doesn't have to prove it to anybody. But to speak of proving it to himself, he doesn't have to prove it to himself. He doesn't have an ego problem. He doesn't have a jealousy problem. He's convinced that he has nobody to be jealous of. (laughs) I mean, come on. (laughs) You know, you can look at Kalachanji, you can, you know, do you think he could be jealous of anyone? I mean, who could compete? Yeah, come on. So, uh, how can uh, 
one, and it, it may be difficult sometime, sometimes for us, and sometimes when we're preaching, it's a little difficult for people to start thinking of God in the terms that we think of God. All beautiful, all attractive, all loving, all wonderful, very approachable, you see. We see God in such a different way than many people do. Some people, um, uh, due to their impersonalistic background, they see him as, you know, really just kind of a, a bright light or energy, you know, the universal energy. That's what they like to call him some places, you know, in the yoga system. The yoga studios like to call him the imperson or the uh, the universal energy, you know, whatever that's supposed to mean. It's not most. It's not supposed to mean anything really. If there's just a universal energy, then I don't have to worry about what it wants. I'm not looking to please it. Uh, as a matter of fact, I am it, and I'm just going to go merge back into it. You see, God is an it, a faceless it, you see. So many misunderstandings. But the Krishna Bhakta, uh, because we're on the road to Krishna Prem, we're on the road to pure love of Godhead, you see. We're seeing Krishna in a very very different way. Uh, We see God uh, so differently than most of the world. Because uh, pure love of Godhead is the ultimate goal. We know from the get-go that's where we're headed, you see. Uh, You cannot have pure love for something that's not approachable, you see. And Krishna, in order to help us, as we become more and more sincere, he reveals more and more of his sweetness. He becomes more and more attractive to us you see, as we become more and more sincere. He's so incredibly attractive that if he, if he were to show himself, you know, in, uh, completely, we would be like, like a magnet, you know, zoom, you know, if we could even continue to compose ourselves, you see. Could we bear seeing Krishna right now? I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for it. But I'm on my way, I hope. By the, by the help of the devotees and by the help of uh, my spiritual master, by the help of the Supreme Lord, I'm on my way to get there, to have eyes to see Krishna. And he's revealing little bits more and more of the sweetness to pull us, help us along, you see. Yeah. So I think I'll pause and say and ask if there are any questions or comments. Nothing to say? (laughs) Yes, so uh, here we are in this fourth chapter. And it's going to get more and more exciting as things uh, go along because uh, as Kamsa met with his ministers, they decided, you know, the best thing to do, you know, let's persecute the Brahmins, the cows, uh, you know, let's be bad guys. Let's make their lives miserable. So we're going to see uh, a tremendous uh, story, a, 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 a multitude of stories uh, unfold as Krishna comes to the aid of the inhabitants of Vrindavan, you see. 
just as Krishna comes to the aid of the devotees constantly. You see, it's not like that we're engaging God as our servant. Uh, we realize, though, the purpose uh, of the devotee is to realize that we're completely dependent on the Lord. You see, we're, com- we're dependent on him for everything. It's not that we uh, sit on our uh, high and mighty uh, chair or position and say, all right, my dear Lord, now get me this, now get me that. You know, hey, while you're at it, you know, can you get me a milkshake? You know, it's kind of like to have a milkshake, you know. (laughs) You see, it's not like that, you see. We just simply realize, the gopis realize that they depend on Krishna for everything. There's a difference. Difference in engaging him as our servant than Oh, having a relationship with him in that we depend on you for everything, my Lord. There is nothing that interests me outside of you. I'm simply attracted to you and nothing else. You are the source of everything. As far as I'm concerned, there is nothing for me to take my for me to look at other than you. I can't take my eyes off of you. I can't take my mind off of you. You see, there's absolutely nothing else. I'm completely dependent on you for everything. You see, that's what Krishna wants. That's what he likes. All right, should we wrap it up? Thank you so much. Thank all of you for coming. I hope there's many many people at home listening. Uh, For those of you who are at home, we we only have two that came to class today. Uh, I know everyone is busy working and it's a busy uh, Monday, but uh, it uh, and I'm very very happy. I feel very fortunate to get the opportunity to speak. But uh, it it could be that many many people are passing up the opportunity to come and hear and associate. Hearing over the internet is very wonderful. It's it's very nice. But uh, to come and associate with the rest of us and, you know, all we, and, and let us encourage one another, that's extremely potent. So uh, I encourage everyone in the community to uh, please come more often. It would please Krishna. We all know that. It would please Srila Tamal Krishna Goswami. We all know that. And it would please Srila Prabhupada. We all know that. It would please the entire disciplic succession if you would come and, and spend some time in class, uh, it's our duty. It's our duty to do so. And I thank all of you that, that came. And uh, Hare Krishna. <laughs>